We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. 
Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Steve Burrett, joined as always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelleher. Guys, we are rage fueled and ready to go. Uh, well, at least that's me. That's me. You guys will see this. But uh, Dusty, how are you doing, man? Grr. So mad. Grr. I'm mad about football and things. Grr. I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Sitting here on Tuesday talking football. What What could be better? What could be better than this? Who's got it better than us? As soon as you said the Gurr thing, I, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Swingers, I've always said, it's like, you're a big bear, man. <laughs> big, just a big bear, man. <laughs> oh, Sue. <laughs> Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited for this episode. Um, there's lots of angry man yelling at cloud energy already um, <laughs> and preparing for the episode together. It seems like we were talking about that it could go off the rails quickly, but Hey, those are my favorite episodes with you guys, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's never a good thing when the person that's in charge of like keeping the podcast on the rails is the one that's going to be angry and yelling and screaming. So we shall see how it all goes. But uh, welcome back to hosting, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I know everybody missed it. I'm sure everybody missed Picked it. A good week. <laughs> Well, guys, let's jump in. The Packers uh, played the Giants in London, and it did not go well. Uh, they lost 27-22. But, Sarah, tell me, you know, what were your reactions to the game? What were some of the things you thought? Just overall, like, how was the, how was the feeling? Yeah, so as a quick reminder, you know, I wasn't in front of my TV watching the game like I would have liked to be. I had my orchestra shows uh, Sunday morning. So my plan was, okay, the show starts at literally the exact same time as the game. We have a 30-minute break in between the two. I'll be able to watch. Should be done right around when the fourth quarter starts, and I can finish watching it then. So, show number one goes well. I get my phone out. I pull up Hulu Live. The Packers are doing great. They're up by two scores. I'm checking Twitter. Everyone's saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers is playing hot potato. He's getting the ball out so quickly. He's finding the open man. Everything's going well. The Packers are playing in London, and it's great. Nothing could go wrong. (laughs) And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm playing music. I'm doing something I love. The Packers are looking good. I'm going to go play that second show. And I come back. And it's tied. And then I'm in the car. I put it on the radio and the Packers start losing. And then guess what? They lose the game. So it was definitely an eventful experience for me. Um, You know, looking back, I did watch some highlights after and it just seemed like as we've seen time and time again already, the first few weeks of the season, the Packers could not perform a complete game. And that's really what happened. First half, they looked great. Second half, you know, Giants are well-coached team. Made They made some adjustments, and the Packers didn't respond very well. So, you know, it sucks. I feel especially bad for the fans that had overseas that had been dying to see them. And, you know, they kind of had to see them, I don't want to say choke, but kind of choke there at the end. And um, it was unfortunate, but I, I hope they still had a great experience. And we're on to next week. That's all I can say. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I watched the whole game, drank some coffee, had some nice breakfast foods. It was just a delightful experience. Well, I'm sure, I not, you know, based on some of the rage fueled comments we got, we will certainly be talking about some of the specifics a little more later. But yeah, I mean, the first half looked good, 
I was happy. Everything was good. Second half, uh, a little uglier. Packers didn't get to touch the ball too much. They had one three and out that kind of, you know, sticks out in everyone's mind. They did not score a point. They didn't get a whole of opportunities to score points. And uh, they lost. And that sucks. Um, I, I mean, I do say, you know, the Giants, well-coached team, they're doing some really interesting things on offense. I feel like the Packers could have done some stuff to slow them down, you know, like you know, playing playing Jair Alexander, say, closer than 10 yards off a guy who was like on the practice squad last week, something like that. Perhaps, I don't know. I'm just, just kind of just shooting ideas at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, the, it's not fun to lose a game that way. But also, it was so early. I went home. And then I took my son to an orchard and had a lovely rest of the day. Uh, the fact that it was so early, I'd almost forgotten about it by the time Sunday Night Football rolled around. So uh, not ideal, but also, I don't know, I still I still had a nice day. Thank you for asking. So do you have the slide whistle ready? I'm just, I want to make sure before I get. <laughs> I've got, I've got my notes up, Steve. Um, and I've got, you know, my little field that says edit timestamps. So yeah, I'm. I'm ready, baby. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm not getting into it yet. That's more when we get into the questions from everybody uh, because there was quite a few, and as Twitter is just blowing up about the Packers. So, um, no, I mean, honestly, like the it, it's kind of what I expected from the Packers. I was hoping and praying that they could play a whole complete game, and they didn't. Um, I'm not shocked. I didn't expect this team to come out of the gates and be – Super Bowl contenders. I think this is going to be a build-up process much in the way of like the 2010 Packers where, yeah, there were there's a lot of issues. There were a lot of injuries back in, for them. This is going to be a lot of young kids. This is going to be – it's going to take a lot of time for them to get on the same page. Like Dusty has mentioned before, people running the wrong routes, running into each other. Like that's the kind of crap that should not be happening now, but it still is. And so that's the kind of stuff that needs to get cleaned up. And once these kids start to figure some of these things out, the offense is going to start to look better. And as Sarah kind of mentioned before, this was a surprisingly good Giants team. We Nobody thought that going into the season. Nobody, Everybody thought this was going to be a cakewalk. And it turns out it wasn't. And that sucks. But it's still week number five. It was still week number five. It's been five games. Let's all pump the freaking brakes for just a minute before we all go over the, you know, Thelma and Louise and drive over the freaking cliff and be done with the whole Packers season. So um, those are my thoughts. Like, I think, I think the Packers are going to be okay. I'm not too worried just yet, but uh, you know, if you, if you check on Packers Twitter, um, the whole, you know, dumpster fire Packers, like fire Barry, fire Gutekunst, um, do and Lafleur. I've actually seen Fire Matt Lafleur, so I'm not there yet. I, I and I know you guys aren't either, but um, it's been fascinating to watch Packers Twitter this week. Sarah, let's uh, let's pivot a little bit here because we've had a lot of negativity. Let's talk about some some Pat McAfee because I know they didn't really talk about football at all. So tell me what uh, what Aaron Rodgers uh, and Pat McAfee talked about. Sure. So. Another good Pat McAfee episode this week. And again, it wasn't an hour long. So, you know, I'm always very happy when it's short and sweet and to the point. Um, so they talked, of course, about the London experience. Roger said he had a blast in London. It was incredible and that they, he wishes they had more days there. Um, you know, we talked about it in last week's episode because Rogers mentioned he was interested in it. But he and Lazard, as well as one of the Packers nutritionists, went to Wembley Stadium to watch the 
U.S. Women's National Team play. Um, you know, I made a joke. Oh, they'll probably hang out with the Ted Lasso crew. Well, they hung out with the Ted Lasso crew. So they were all there, too. He said, you know, Ted Lasso is one of my favorite shows. Um, and he was just really excited about it. He said it was a great game, great experience. And he said even walking around Wembley Stadium there at the soccer game, there were people with Packers jerseys in the stands. And that that was just surreal to him and reminded him of how special it is to play in Green Bay with a fan base as passionate and really strong and widespread as the Green Bay Packers fans are. Um, and a theme throughout this episode that I picked up on was that Roger seems to just be loving it in Green Bay, which I know, and Steve already had a, a mini rant about it, and he'll have many more rants about it in the next, you know, 35 minutes or so. But everyone, you know, a lot of fans, and I'm sure people are listening to this podcast are really upset or frustrated, but it seems like Rodgers is really happy with the Packers. And, you know, based on what we've seen the last couple of seasons, maybe the happiest he's been in a while. So that was kind of interesting night to pick up on that perspective during the Pat McAfee show today. Uh, he talked about how he got to meet a lot of Packers fans, meet a lot of Pat McAfee show fans, book club fans. He said that somebody even came up to him with one of the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday book club books and took a picture with him with the book. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, he said it was overall great experience besides the actual outcome of the game. Um, thought they handled the time change well, things like that. He said, you know, even though the loss sucked, that right now all of the conversation about how the Packers locker room is in shambles and they all hate each other and they have to a team meeting to come together and, and make sure that the season doesn't blow up, that that's all being blown out of proportion. You know, he's, he mentioned the comments that we saw that Jarier Alexander made about how, oh, if they lose next week, and then Aaron Jones made a comment about how he and A.J. Dillon should be getting, getting the ball, you know, down in late game situations on third, fourth down. Um, you know, he said, I love Jarier. He's one of my favorite teammates of all time. I wasn't even referring to his comments when I said that. He just thinks it's important to speak things into existence. I mean, we know Rogers is a big believer in manifestation and all the power of words and all that. Um, and so he just didn't like that there was some more negativity after that loss than what they're used to in the locker room. Uh, they talked about at the end, you know, the Hail Mary and that it was really a fail Mary. You know, he didn't really even get a throw off or anything. And he said, yeah, that was pretty much at the edge of how far I could throw it um, and that he, he wasn't really sure and that he tried to dance around in the pocket a little bit to buy some extra time and extra space to throw it as far as he possibly could. And that ended up just being what didn't work out for them. He praised Cobb. You know, there's been a lot of Cobb praise about how he looks, you know, younger than ever, that he's doing really well. He talked about that. Uh, of course, he talked about the big dog touchdown. You know, he joked, that he's had so many touchdowns in London playing with the Jaguars so that the Packers had to get him one more. He said that play was actually something that Nathaniel Hackett had drawn up for them a few years ago, and they loved it. They kept it in their playbook and thought it would be a good time to bring it out in London. Um, but as far as the criticisms, you know, again, Steve touched on it a little bit. He said he sees it. The Packers see it. They feel it. They know people are upset, but that – he wouldn't want to have it any other way. He goes, you know, we're we're three and two. We're 
still in the mix. The season's far from over. We have to reduce our margin of error, obviously. And if we do that in a few places and a few different games, you know, our record could look a little bit different. But he said, I wouldn't want it to be any other way because in Green Bay, there's a standard of excellence and a standard of greatness that the fans, that the organization, that that they always expect, that teams know when I play the when we play the Green Bay Packers, they're legit. They're a historic organization and we're always setting the standard. And so I thought that was really interesting to hear and, you know, learn more about his thoughts and how that's motivated him as uh, the quarterback for so long for this organization. So he said when it when they underperform, like maybe they have at times this year and like they did this past weekend, they expect that criticism. And in fact, they welcome it because they're not meeting the standard of excellence that he said is really the Green Bay Packer way. Um, you know, if you if you follow pop culture, AJ Hawk made a snarky comment about how since Aaron Rodgers is hanging out with Jason Sudeikis, he probably can't go to a Harry Styles concert. So if you know all about that and the Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles, Jason Sudeikis drama, um, and Rogers laughed it off and he said, I quote, Harry is a big Packers fan and a friend of mine. So I'm always going to be a supporter of him. So personally, I would just like to know what those conversations have been like. Um, and then he said, you know, he also loves Ted Lasso, had a great time with Coach Beard at the game, even though he's a Bears fan. He got to meet Roy Kent and Jamie Tart, and that they were really nice too. So one, love that they're hanging out, and two, love that he didn't refer to any of them by their actual names and just referred to them all by their character names. So that was great too. Um, and then to close the episode, they talked a little bit about some of the questionable roughing the passer calls that we've seen uh, this past weekend around the league. And Rogers was pretty nice and professional about it. And McAfee joked, oh, yeah, you know, these refs could be, um, you know, refing your game next weekend. So you have to be nice. You have to say that. So we'll be the ones that keep complaining about it. But through that conversation, they talked a little bit about um, what Rogers feels is really a big danger in the league. And that's shots to the head and unnecessary roughness where players, you know, are targeted. And he thinks that's an area where they can improve rather than, you know, some of these, as people have said, softer uh, roughing the passer calls. And to close, finally, we have book four of the Aaron Rodgers book club, and it is how to change your mind by Michael Pullen. Um, He said it is about 400 pages, so it's longer, but that it is a Netflix series if you don't want to read it. Um, Apparently, it's one of the top 10 books of 2018. And right in line with some of the recent Rogers controversy, a lot of it is about the use of psychedelics. But it's about the use of psychedelics to cure PTSD, depression, postpartum. So a lot of... uh, different medical and mental health situations that people are dealing with. Um, And it is a New York Times bestseller. So that was Pat McAfee for this week. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Dusty, I don't know if you've seen this but um, or or heard of this, but Brian Kudekunst is going to be in every single conversation when it comes to a trade or a free agent. Uh, And the news coming out of Carolina, Matt Rule is out as the head coach, even though he's owed $750 million over the next four years because he got a guaranteed contract somehow. Uh, But we'll put that one aside. 
apparently now everybody is open to conversation for a trade in Carolina, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Brian Burns. So uh, Packers Twittersphere has handled this super well and are already figuring out ways and blaming Brian Gutekunst. But what do you think? Are there chances that DJ Moore ends up in Green Bay? Uh, 100%. He's in every conversation. You know, eventually it's got to happen, Steve. Says people call it like the gambler's fallacy, right? Well, I I refuse to believe that. At some point, man, that ball's going to hit on black, 19 black. So we're just going to go ahead and do that. No, I mean, realistically, no, they're not. They're not going to get him. Like I said, they're probably, it sounds like, again, they're probably going to be in conversations. We're going to hear at some point. The Packers were in the conversation on this, but it just ended up happening. And honestly, for DJ Moore, I think I can't remember what he's owed. I think it's I don't think it's that bad. I think it's like 19 million next year or something like that. Like it's reasonable. His guarantee has been paid. My worry with all of that stuff is it kind of front loaded that deal. They're going to trade for him and then he's going to be like, well, now I'm underpaid and they're going to have to give him a new deal sooner rather than later. Anyway, I think as a player, he would fit into the offense very, very well. But no, I, I, I mean. I'm not, it's not outside the realm of possibility, but I don't know, Steve, you want to give it a 2% chance? Feel about right? I'll give it a 2% chance. Here's, here's the perfect trade proposition from the Packers to the Panthers. Amari Rogers and a third round pick. Cause they never are good at their <laughs> third round pick. So just give them, give them the old third round pick and next year's third round pick. That should be enough, right? We can get that deal just done. Give them like the next 10 years. of third. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Here's third round picks for as far as the eye can see. Just take them. And then we'll just take DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson. We'll it'll, be sw- it'll be swaps. Them. Like they'll, they'll take the thirds. We'll get their fourths. And you know, mm-hmm. that we do way better with the fourths anyway. So I think I- that's fair. <laughs> I just think they should be doing that and getting nothing back. Just trade every third for a fourth and you're, you're rolling, baby. <laughs> All right, guys. It is that time. The, uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to be taking on the New York Jets this week. And uh, we'll be talking about the one thing that we're going to be looking for this week. Um, so, Sarah, we're going to start with you. Sounds good. So, similar to the Giants... The Jets aren't terrible like they have been in previous years. There are some glimpses of hope for the Jets fans that are out there that have suffered for a very, very long time. So like the Packers, Jets are also three and two. Um, And they do have some playmakers in the secondary, you know, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. So this should be the time when the Packers do what we've all been asking them to do, to run the ball more. So my one thing I'm going to be looking for is just that, you know, how many touches um, are Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon getting? It seemed like they were a bit underutilized this past weekend. It seems like they've really been underutilized at times all season so far. You know, Jets are allowing an average of 114.4 rushing yards per game, um, according to ESPN. So that seems, you know, promising for Green Bay. Every time they have, you know, about 100 or so rushing yards and plus, their offense is a lot more balanced. It just seems like it operates better, it moves better, and that they make things happen. So I'm hoping that the trip back home to Lambeau helps balance the offense out a bit more. I've said it time and time again pretty much every week. This is the one thing I'm looking for, but I'd love to just see more touches for AJ and Aaron. That does sound quite like Twitter. Um. (laughs) Well, 
that's really all. I mean, it's, it's a, and it's a valid concern. I, I yeah. agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, and I think I I used this last week, but I want to see a full game from the Packers. I legit. That's what I want to see. Their offense, like looked amazing in the first half. Everybody was happy. Everybody was content. They were full of, you know, all their amazing breakfast foods that they were eating and tweeting away and, you know, thumbs ablazing about how awesome Packers were. And then second half, it all fell apart. So I want to see a full game for the first time this year from the Packers. I'm going to keep it light and simple this week. So Dusty, we'll go back to you. I looked at a bunch of stuff. I wasn't quite sure exactly which route to take here. I was looked at the Jets rushing game uh, or rushing defense, which is uh, their 15th in the league, allowing EPA per play. Uh, so, you know, right in the middle of the pack there to, to contrast that Packers are fourth in that. So Jets are better than the Packers at run defense. Surprise, surprise, but still kind of middle of the pack. Looked at kind of the stunts. They're running stunts 20% of the time, which is 12th in the league. Packers struggle with that, but not quite enough there. I think, again, Steve, you kind of kept it simple. I'm keeping it simple, too. I'm here. I'm banging the table, man. It is time to unleash Josiah DeGuara. DeGuara has long been a guy I've been a huge fan of. Packers have been running a pony package um, this season, which has been the, the package with Dylan and Jones on, this, on the field, has not gone well for them. Um, I think it's averaged less than five yards an attempt. They all but scrapped it this past week. I think they ran it three times against the Giants this past week. Now, DeGuara's had a hard time seeing the field. He's 15% over the past three weeks, something like that, after hitting like 25% the first couple weeks. What I will say, they look better with him out there. They move him around a little bit. He is more explosive right now than Robert Tunyon is. He's done fine as kind of a more traditional tight end, but he really eats as kind of the up back and the eye formation stuff. And you can move him around. They can do a lot of fun run stuff with him. He had a couple of nice receptions and exploded up the sideline a couple in, in one of them for a first down off just a little flat route. I think he's looked tremendous. And I think if you take that pony package stuff you had with Jones and Dylan. You put Deguara on in there instead of Jones. Suddenly, you've got a better rushing, a better better look for a rushing attack because as much as I love A.J. Dillon and we had that sweep with uh, with Christian Watson and A.J. Dillon's lead blocker, Deguara is a better and more seasoned run blocker from that fullback position than A.J. Dillon is, which is no knock on Dillon. This is just what Deguara does. He's a better blocker in that, but he's also a more explosive receiver than Dylan as well. So you can kind of stretch defenses more with the DeGuara Jones package than you could with Jones and Dylan. He's looked good. It's time, man. And beyond that, I was watching the Jets Dolphins from this past week. They got Alec Ingold. Alec Ingold is he's more kind of fullback, but if you think of him, kind of the stuff we've seen DeGuara doing in Miami, he was. Ah, 35% of snaps this past week. And he looked tremendous, man. He had the Jets linebackers on hell every time he was out there. These little wineback blocks. He's kind of climb up to the second level. He's wham plays and just slamming a linebacker to open, a, to open an avenue. They had a tough time with him. And then what the, what the Dolphins were able to do in the run game and pass game with him was pretty good. I think DeGuara, you, you can kind of see how he could fill a similar role do the kind of the same things that Jets defense, you put Jones in there. And I think the offense opens up a little bit with those two guys in a way it did not with Dylan and Jones. So I just want to see, I think it's time again, snaps decline from earlier in the year for whatever reason, they probably don't, I guess they probably don't like him in the building as much as I like him, but based on what I've seen, especially over the past two weeks. And then what we what I saw from the dolphins this past week, put DeGuara, put him at fullback, give him 30, 35% of the offensive snaps, give him all the pony package stuff with Jones and just let him cook, man. I think he could do some really, really nice stuff. So that's, that's what I'm doing. It's, it is time. It's time to unleash Josiah DeGora. 
No, I love that because Sauce Gardner is so good. And the Packers are going – like they can't just throw it as they usually do. They can't just – they might not be able to hit Lazard every time. And so they're going to have to be creative like that and involve guys like Deguara. Maybe we see another, you know, kind of trickery play with with big dogs. So I think that's a great, great point there. Thank you. Team Deguara, let's go. All right, guys, uh, all three of us picked the Packers to win over the Giants, so none of us picked up a point uh, on the standings this this last week uh, as far as our score predictions go. And, but we're going to go and do it again. Packers-Jets, Sarah, what are you thinking? So help me God if the Packers lose again. Like I really think this is the week where they can just get into a good rhythm and ride that momentum. Um, so I'm, but I think there will still be – it won't be perfect. There will still be some struggles. So I'm going to take Packers 23, Jets 13. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's liquid death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called liquid death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and for me, same way. Listen, LaFleur is not lost. Back-to-back regular season games, so I'm going to hang my hat on that. I'm going to assume that the flight back from London was not a particularly good time for anyone on that flight. Uh, everyone kind of knows they need to be better. I think some adjustments are going to be made and the jets, you know, they, they piled up points against the dolphins. Uh, dolphins were down to their third string running back 
for all but one snap of that game did not look particularly good. Uh, the Dolphins did not. The Jets kind of preyed on that a little bit, which which kind of helped boost them. That was a close game up until, I think, the fourth quarter there. So I'm going to go ahead. I think like two or three times now I've given the Packers 30 points. Scoring's down across the league, and the Packers do not look good. So I'll go Packers. Uh, I'm going to go Packers. I'll give them I'll give them 24-17. I think the Jets are going to move the ball. I think they're going to give them some troubles. Hopefully, hopefully. The Packers are looking for, say, some rollouts from Zach Wilson as well as maybe some crossing routes from the Jets' defense. Now, it, the, the offense is run by Mike. Wild, wild concept. I know. I know. It doesn't look that different from the Packers' offense. You just have a 12-year-old running it as opposed <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think like the, they should be familiar. They should know how to play it. So I think the Jets will be able to move the ball. Zach Wilson still has some really dumb stuff. So the, the secondary has not done a whole lot, I think, the stat, I think Jacob Morley tweeted out four pass breakups and one interception on the year for the Packers secondary through five games, which seems insane. Let's give the Packers an interception. 21 or 24, 17. I'm going to 24, 17 Packers. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the, the Packers are actually going to break 30 this time. Um, they're going to go, but it's still going to be a close one. Still going to be a close one. So I'm going to go Packers 31 Jets 27. So I think it's going to be closer than we all think again because I think the Jets are better than we all think. But, um, yeah, I, I really think, kind of like you said, Dusty, I hope that they kind of learn from some of the things that they've done and this this finally a couple of things start to click for them. So, well, guys, it's uh, it's time. We're going to jump into the toxic <laughs> – Dusty is rubbing his hands together. Let's go. Let's go. I'm waiting for this. Let's go. Jumping into the toxic waste dump that is Twitter. And uh, we, you guys brought some questions. You brought some questions this week. So uh, we're going to have some fun here. Um, all right. So the first one, uh, Brick Hands Burson. What do you think of the term buddy ball and people's application of the phrase in the context of the current offense uh so i think sarah you probably agree this one's more geared towards dusty yep dusty all you have at it yeah so first of all i'd ask what this meant because i didn't i didn't know what this was but i am familiar with the narrative so for buddy ball if you are like me and do not know as it was explained to me is basically that uh rogers only throws to his friends and and i think the angle that i'm going to take on this and the angle we're going to talk about this from is that last play that fourth down the RPO into the eight-man box, blah, 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 blah. And Rodgers throws to Lazard. But beyond Rodgers throwing to Lazard on the fade route, Romeo Dobbs is open on the slant route to the other side. Uh, and, and so it's he threw to Lazard because Lazard's his friend and Romeo Dobbs is not his friend. <laughs> Untrue. So so the way that is, and just to talk about this for, for just, I don't know, I was going to say like half a second, but it's really probably going to be like five minutes because I don't know how to shut up. So... The way the Packers run their RPOs is it's and it's been talked about ad nauseum since the game, but it's it's you're looking at the counts, you're looking for an advantage. You're saying, do I want to run into this box count or do I want to throw into uh, into whatever like numbers on the outside, advantageous situation? You're trying to make the defense wrong. Now the Packers normally have a single RPO tag on their stuff. They've got a bubble or they've been doing more slants and glance routes, some more vertical pushing stuff. It's, it's typically a bubble or a flat route, something like that. This one, they had two 
you've got the flat, you have got the, the fade route to Lazard, which is a one-on-one, or you've got the slant route on the other side. Now, the way, the, how some teams will do this, RPOs, for those vertical pushing ones, you look at, it's called the conflict defender. It's a post-snap read. So you put the ball into the stomach of the, the running back. You're looking at a guy. You're looking at a linebacker. You're looking at a, a cornerback. You're looking at whoever it is you're trying to put in conflict. If that guy comes down, bites on the run that means he's open space behind him and you throw that pass if he stays back that means he's playing the pass that means you hand the ball off that's how these rpos go now the way the packers run rpos the packers run rpos by strictly pre-snap reads rogers hates post-snap reads in fact i think i've seen him do two post-snap rpo reads like in the past three years and one of them went poorly so i think he doesn't want to do them again the slant is more of a post-snap read because you're looking to see what those defenders are doing over there so that's that's out for Rodgers, like immediately. It doesn't matter who's running. Lazard could have been running that. That's a post-snap read. Rodgers not like post-snap reads. And the reason for that, I think, is that if that's out, and again, that's you're looking at that slant, if they, uh, say, banjo that route or something, and you've got the inside guy drops down on the slant, and that's your read, you don't have any other options. You can't run it at that point because the running back's already gone. You can't throw it because you're run blocking down the field. You don't have time for that. So that play is out. And so, again, this is... Not necessarily how it should be done, because reading that conflict defender, you get a lot of benefits out of there. Rodgers simply does not like to do it. And so for Rodgers, it came down to, do I like the run look? There's eight guys. I don't like that, but I do like a one-on-one with Lazard winning a fade route on the on the back. That's kind of mad. And the throw was bad. The throw's low. The throw got bad at all of that stuff. But when we're talking about buddy ball and talking about that specific play, you could put you could put Devontae Adams on that slant on that RPO. And Rodgers isn't throwing that because he does not like the post-snap RPO reads. That's that's all I got on that. And that's I, I don't buy into the whole he only throws to his friends. I think it's it's conceptual. There are times he will defer to a guy that he trusts on like a one-on-one based on a defensive look. But it's not just I only throw to my friends, and that specific play I don't believe was was a result of that. Uh, the end. All right, next question we've got from Willy Wonka, who is choosing chaos today, and he wants to know: Would you rather have to eat your least favorite food for two meals per day every three days, or only have hot water for the first four minutes of your shower five random times per month? Uh, Sarah, we're going to start with you because out of the three of us, you're the only one who actually has hair. So we're going to let you answer first. Yeah. So I know this question stirred up some controversy on Twitter, but for me, it was a pretty simple answer. And I'm going to go with the shower. So only having hot water for the first four minutes of my shower five times, five random times per month. Um, you know, I can, I can shower pretty quickly. Um, is if I know that that's a possibility, then I can just speed up and I won't take as long. And, um, you know, sometimes I don't have to wash my hair. And so that also makes it a bit shorter. Um, so I would definitely go with that. I just think too, like I've lived in the college dorm. I've experienced cold showers. Do they suck? Yeah, but you get over it after a little bit. You get used to it. With the food, I would absolutely hate eating meals that I just did not like, and it would make me feel gross. I would not have a good time. And that also has lingering side effects. It could upset my stomach. It could just make me feel, ugh, and I don't want to deal with that. Where the shower, it's just a quick thing. I don't have to worry about it too long. So I'm going with that. I've got nothing to add. 
Exactly what Sarah said. I'm 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 taking the the cold shower out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I don't have hair, so I can get done with a shower in less than four minutes and be okay. Like everything's clean, everything you know. The only thing I think that might be affected would be like you know shaving the the beard. Yeah, that but, would be the only thing. But as a technicality, I can use hot water from the sink. And use that as like my shaving apparatus, so I'd be okay. So you know, technicality. I mean, it does it. It messes with the psychology of it all, right? If I'd it's prefer, the random days, I would prefer to shave in the shower. Yeah, uh, that's always the way I like to do it. But if need be, I can move to the sink. No, no problem. All right. Next question we got Mike Kawano. Would you rather the Packers streamline the playbook on offense to get a dozen or so plays? that they can lean on all year or continue to diversify at the expense of the current efficiency proficiency. Um, and how did you enjoy your experience watching a Green Bay Packers game at the time of day that he usually does? So, Dusty, I believe this first part of the question was for you, and then Sarah and I will answer about how we enjoyed watching the Packer game at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a dozen seems a little low, but I mean, I think they're getting there. I mean, I think I talked about this last week. Like this, this first part of the season has been weird. It's been we've seen I've seen stuff out of the offense that I've not seen before prior to this year, and some of their core concepts that they really had been leaning into, I haven't seen a whole lot. Um, and I think some of that is they're they're trying to mix it up, and some of it is just trying to see what works with this group. And they're trying to, to make things a little simpler on some of these because it, it's, it, it can get complicated if you, if you overcomplicate something. So complicated, if you overcomplicate, that's, that's smart. Dusty. That's a smart thing you said. <laughs> um, so I think, I think they're getting there. I do think that, that we're going to see some of the start stuff, start leveling out. Like I said, like some of the, um, even some of, the, even some of their core concept stuff, they're having some issues with, but I do think it starts leveling out. I think they're starting to figure out a little bit more what works. And I think that's been the whole process is some of it was a little early they're whittling some stuff down they're going to find what works for this group and then they're kind of kind of work out of some some of that basically you're you're recreating your base package which is what they did this offseason but now you're in games and and you're kind of seeing a little more what works what doesn't so i do think that's a process i do think as the season goes on we start to see some of that stuff condensed a little more they just fallen into such not a rut because it was working well for them but just the same kind of stuff over the past few years. And so this, this stuff takes time, even if you had all off season, even if you knew, man. Um, so yeah, I think they're, I think they're getting there. I think that's the ultimate plan is to work, to get to that stuff that works. I just, I think they're just, it's a process to get there, but we are starting to see that level out already, I think. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's, it's been cool. It's been, it, it's not been pretty all the time. It's been a cool process to watch. And then, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about the top of the show. Yeah. Mike's in Hawaii. So I'm, I'm Eastern. So he's, he's four hours back of us. I don't know how he gets up that early to watch football every day, but <laughs> I loved it, man. I went to my brother's house. We had, uh, I had coffee. He made, he made me a nice cappuccino. I had like a, a nitro iced Americano. That was amazing. His wife made bacon and sausage and eggs, uh, had mimosas, just sat there very leisurely, man. Just had a lovely, lovely time of it. And the Packers lost and that sucked. But then at 1230, like Packers, Packers game's done. I had a really nice breakfast and then I had the rest of the day. I honestly, I didn't, I kind of didn't watch football the rest of the day more because I just had other stuff going on. I took, took my son to the orchard. It was the last day of fall break. So we had a great time out there doing a whole bunch of stuff. And it was just, just a pleasant day. It was really nice being able to watch the Packers win or lose that early in the morning. And then I had the rest of the day free. So it was, it was a, 
it was kind of cool. It was a little, little freeing actually. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I, I didn't get to sit at home and enjoy the comfort of my home and have a nice breakfast when I was watching the game. But I did like that it was earlier in the day. You know, I, I caught the end and once I did get home and after the game, took a little nap, woke up, rest of the afternoon, watched Red Zone, made some good food. It was very relaxing. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind doing that every weekend, especially if I was able to just wake up, watch the game in bed, have a good breakfast, and then go from there. I mean, I think the highlight of my uh, <laughs> watching the Packers games was my breakfast chorizo breakfast burritos that I made. But uh, no, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Like I don't I don't know if I'd want that every single week of the year. But I mean, I I think that the Packers should totally embrace the whole going abroad thing. I think it's a lot of fun for fans. I think even though they lost, like it's probably a lot of fun for the players to be able to go do that stuff and go, you know, we've talked, there's another question coming up, I believe about like where we would want them to go. So all the other places that they could go internationally that the, that the NFL is trying to expand to, that'd be awesome. So I think the international thing, we haven't had that before. And I think it was a lot of fun and fans really enjoyed it. So yeah, I think the Packers should, should totally embrace it, and I would I would absolutely love it. Next question we've got is from Sam. Uh, she wants to know, biggest area of concern on offense and biggest area of concern on defense moving forward. Dusty, let's start with you. Yeah, offense is, I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier, just some of the weird, you know, routes, like the, the attention to detail, um, the, the routes being run incorrectly or spacing being wrong. We're seeing, we're seeing guys running into each other. We're seeing guys run the wrong routes that are supposed to be complementary routes that are kind of on the same plane that then leads to broken plays and all of that. Like that's, that's the biggest thing to me. And it, I mean, it's, you know, Rogers accuracy hasn't been great on some of the deep stuff, but I think a lot of that's overblown just based on, again, some of these issues, some of these guys getting kind of knocked off where they shouldn't be getting knocked off. So if that's the biggest issue, I mean, we've seen, from LaFleur and Rodgers in the past, I have faith they will clean that up. So that's my biggest issue right now, um, just because it is week five and we're still seeing it. Um, but I, I think that's that's going to be cleaned up. On defense, it's, man, like one of the strengths of this defense last year um, under Barry was communication, was the way they were able to, with this quarters defense, it's key to be able to kind of read the route distribution in front of you, pass that stuff off, everyone kind of playing on a string. This guy's passed out of my zone. I go here, you go here passing this stuff off. It's it's beautiful in the back end. It was working correctly. And for all of their faults last year, Packers did that really well on the back end. Uh, this year, they had so many communication problems week after week. It's not just the playing off coverage. It's the fact that when they run, anyone runs a crosser, no one knows who to pick that up. Stokes is sitting there and he's like, okay, he's fading off because he's expecting someone to pick it up. But then someone on the other side, Jair or someone is expecting Stokes to run with it because he's going to pick up something else. It's week after week. It is so often that's happening. And that's what's so baffling to me is that the personnel is more or less the same as it was uh, last year. You know, a couple, a couple different pieces. I think the Quay Devondre thing is its own thing, but the communication was so good last year. And that's been such a huge issue this year. And if that's the issue, that's again, we're, I'm not in the room. We don't know what's going on. I have no idea how fixable that is. I'd like to believe that since they did it well last year, they would do it well this year. But if they did it well last year, I would expect them to be doing it well already this year. The fact that they're still having these communication issues, defensive side of the ball, where no one seems to know what's going on. The, the offense, at least they know what's going on. And like, oh, this was screwed up and fix it. Defense just seems to have the same issues week after week and seem like, well, we they, they still don't seem any closer to playing together. So I... I don't know. That's that's baffling me. That's my that's my biggest issue on defense. 
And for me, I'll, I'll start with defense first. Something that worries me and, you know, is an area of concern is just the lack of big plays, you know, or turnovers. You know, last year we saw the emergence of Rasul Douglas and how he was able to hop in and make plays at times. And it just seems like that spark is missing from the defense and they really need it, especially at times where, you know, this year, yes, we all know and we knew going into the season that the offense wasn't going to be as strong. They lost Devontae Adams. They have several rookie wide receivers that are still, you know, learning how to play in this sort of environment. And they could really use support from the defense. They could use a pick six. They could use a fumble recovery, you know, strip sack, whatever it is. And that just doesn't seem to be happening. That spark is, isn't there yet. And I hope that changes, but that would be an area of concern for me. And then on offense, ugh, it's tough. You know, there, there's a few different things and, you know, Dusty touched on just like lack of, or attention to detail and just how that doesn't seem to be there. But another thing is just lack of identity in a way. Um, When they go out there, you know, 2020, for example, it was, oh, red zone offense. The Packers are absolutely going to shred you in the gold zone. They know what they're going to do. Last year, they couldn't be stopped in the air. Rodgers to Devontae was just on fire. MVS, Lazard, they had several guys that could make plays there seems to always be an identity for them. And this year it's, they're trying to figure out who they are and I get it, but I know we're approaching week five or week six now, you know, we're, we're through week five and I was hoping that they would have figured it out by now. So we'll see what happens, but those would just be kind of, you know, I'm not freaking out over it, but they're, they're just things that at this point in the season, I would have liked to at least start to see more of. Dusty, next one's for you. Jason Gillespie wants to know, is Watson winning on his vertical routes? When they send him on a vertical route, hell yeah, man. He's uh, <laughs> he's looking good. I mean, you know, obviously that, that first play of the season, he won. He just dropped. That game, he was winning a bunch. I think his hamstring issues have been uh, hampering him, their, their usage a little bit of him. And so it's been a lot more horizontal, the jet sweep, the end around, the stuff we've seen. But when they send him vertical, I mean, honestly, and I can't remember if I talked about this last week, his his nuance on some of those routes is is already more advanced than I kind of thought it would be. Some of that, the ability to kind of push out, come back in, manipulate the defender. Um, I think he's 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 better, uh, a little more polished than I think people give him credit for coming out of college. We just we haven't seen much of it, and again, I think the hamstring has been an issue there. But yeah, when he runs when he runs on those vertical routes, man, he's he's getting open like the vast majority of the time. He's been open. Some of the protection has been the issue more than more than Watson. Sarah Cole Pope wants to know. Is the stubbornness to not run the ball an Aaron Rodgers problem or a Matt LaFleur problem? I, I think the answer to the question, and feel free to disagree, is that we really don't know. We, you know we're you know, we not there. We don't know exactly who to – I don't want to say who to blame, but kind of who to blame. Um, so I think they should both take responsibility for it. Clearly there are times when Rodgers can choose to pass or throw, and he's choosing – or pass or throw hand it off or throw, and he's choosing to throw. Sometimes LaFleur is the one making the calls. And I don't really think there's like one person to point a finger at and say, oh, they're the problem. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of hard to answer. I'm really not sure. Dusty, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean for the for the pure run stuff, yeah, no, absolutely. We don't we don't know. I actually asked that question. Um, the Schneidman put out a, a, a request for questions for the head of the pack podcast with him and Bill Huber, and I asked that question of him. He's in the locker room. He's got a feel for that, and his his answer was basically the same. Was Listen, like they kind of play coy. I know Rogers has played coy. He has talked about he has the ability to change anything at the line. Um, we we simply don't know. We don't know what that percentage is. The one percentage we do know is that on RPOs, on the RPO game, where Rogers has the choice where he can hand it off or throw it, they're running on – he's choosing to hand off in 70% of those. So I think that's been a little overblown. A lot of that, again, is pre-snap number reads. But on those, the only thing we know for sure where he's got that call, I can hand this off or pass it, he's handing off 70% of the time. The other stuff, yeah, we, we simply don't know. All right, guys. I think we've arrived at the uh, the top of, top of the yes. mountain here. Um, there's a couple questions that we got here in a row that I'm going to be taking on myself because um, – I Packers Twitter definitely enraged me quite a bit. And so I need to preface this before I even get into it. The questions are good questions. These are not personal answers towards anybody who asked these questions. I saw them all over Twitter, but uh, there's, yeah, there's going to be some replies here that uh, you might not really like, or I don't know, but I'm just going to give you my, my full honest opinion at this point. So our first question is from uh, Ama Diesel. He says, are we all salty AF after that loss, especially after the high hopes for the defense? Is Barry always who we thought he was? I guess my answer is um, it's been five <laughs> weeks. Let's all calm the hell down. The Packers defense has not been this horribly bad as everybody is projecting them out to be. You know, they... they they played some good teams. They have given up some points. You know, it, it's a work in progress. But, oh, my God, the fact that we need to try to fire Joe Barry, like, no, this is not the answer. The Packers don't do that. The fact that Mike McCarthy was fired in season was, like, a mind-blowing thing for Packers, for the Packers to do. They don't do that. I don't expect Matt LaFleur to do that. But do I expect him to be a little bit more involved in some of the defensive planning? Sure. No, this is not something that you need to freak out about. Like we were talking after the first couple of weeks about how great the Packers defense was. They have two mediocre games and now we're talking about firing Joe Barry. No, that is not going to happen. We all need to shut the hell up and let the Packers actually play some games. So I don't know if anybody else has anything to comment on this one. Like I'm still not fully riled up yet, but um, I don't know. Sarah, Dusty, you guys got anything else? Honestly, the, the floor stuff I think is ridiculous. The Barry stuff, uh, I'm I'm kind of listening on, but really the only guy I'm listening on is Fangio, who I think just took a consulting job with the Eagles. Uh, so yeah, no, you don't fire. And if they're going to fire a consultant in season, or they're going to fire their coordinator in season, it's going to go to a guy already in the building who's likely Jerry Gray, who people are also going to be mad about because Jerry Gray is coaching DBs, who the DBs are playing off and i don't know if that's gray's decision or barry's decision uh but no you 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 handled that quite well steve okay next up frank wants to know did the packers trade up in the draft for christian watson to only use him as a gadget role frank are you kidding me seriously man it's been five games he hasn't even been healthy for all the five games and you're worried about if the rookie wide receiver is being utilized enough in the offense. Like, are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust wide re- rookie wide receivers as it is. And he's already on the field. 
So for they they trust him enough to the first play of the whole season, they figured out they want to do a deep bomb to him. They knew that. So yes, I believe that Christian Watson is going to be way more involved into the offense. It's going to happen, but it's only been five games. You got to give the kid a little bit of time and not consider him a gadget. Sure, they can use him as a gadget right now while he's still figuring out the offense, but it will take time. Pump your freaking brakes, my friend. Okay? Sarah, do you have anything to add to that one? Nope. I'll let you just keep going. Dusty, anything else? No, man. No, man. You're on a roll. Hit it. Okay. Okay. Uh, And Mark wants to know, what would be fair? What would be fair odds that the Packers miss the playoffs? Oh my God! Are you? F- oh my God! It's been five games, guys. It's been five games. Even right now, when the Packers are playing as quote horribly as everybody believes that the Packers are playing, they're still in the seventh seed. They're still in the seventh seed. They're one game out of being four and one and challenging the Vikings. Like there's still a game at Lambeau with the Vikings. They still, I, my mind is blown. This is as far as we've gotten in Packers Twitter. Like I get it. We lost the, the Packers lost in London. It sucks. It's horrible. But like the fact that we went to dumpster fire after all of this and they still have a winning record, they still haven't figured out their offense. It is mind blowing to me. Like Packers fans, are unbelievably spoiled and the fact that they're three and two right now and not in first place then and, and we're all going crazy it just it just speaks volumes to me so everybody calm the f- calm down calm yourselves down a little bit give yourselves a little time we're gonna be okay you're gonna be all right the Packers are gonna win a game again it's gonna happen but um yeah just take a deep breath so what do you guys think are the Packers gonna make the playoffs? I feel good about it. <laughs> they've, they've got things to work out, and they've got some some tough games coming up. I think the frustration, you know, among a lot of people, and I certainly understand, is this is supposed to be again. Listen, the Giants are are better, and their record is better, and they're a more interesting team, and they're a better coach team than people thought they were going to be. This was supposed to be the easy part of the schedule. You still got the Bills coming up, you got the Eagles coming up. This was a game that was thought everyone thought was going to be a win. They struggle up to this point. You're five weeks in, you know, four weeks coming into the game. Like I get that. Like this is supposed to be the easy part. You dominate this part. You use, you win these games. You find ways to win. They've been winning ugly so far this year. Like they probably shouldn't have won that Patriots game. Like again, you bank your wins when you can. At some point, the luck runs out, and you hope they figure it out. So I get the frustration specifically on this game, in this stretch. But yeah, it, it's still. You said I think it's it's whatever half of three of the NFC East teams are four and one. The Vikings are four and one. The other leaders of the division are three and two, uh, which which the Packers also are. So yeah, a lot of. Uh, a lot of the season left. I certainly understand the frustration, but uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's been it's 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 gone <laughs> it's gone in a very grim direction very quickly. You would have thought the Packers were zero one five uh, at this point. All right, guys, let's transition. Let's do a little bit more fun stuff. Uh, my my rant is done. Like I'm sweating through my shirt right now, so I think I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I officially got it all out of me. I think we're good. Jacob wants to know what international city would you want the Packers to play in next? Sarah, let's start with you. Yeah, so I know that there's a game, I don't know if it's this weekend or in a couple weekends in Munich in Germany, and I think that would be awesome if the Packers went there. It just makes sense. 
we, we were talking about this before as a group. We all collectively agreed. There's beer, sausages, cheese. That screams Wisconsin. It's perfect for Green Bay. Personally, I, I really want to go there. That's on my bucket list. I mean, London is too, but it's just another place I'd really like to visit and that I've heard great things about. So that would be my pick. Yeah, I think Germany makes the most sense for me personally. I just I want them to go places that I just want to visit and would like an excuse to go. So I put them in Ireland, put them in put them in Iceland, put them somewhere that I want to visit, and then I will go see them. But yeah, I think Germany probably makes the most sense. Uh, next question, Matt Pickett. He's got a hat tip to uh, Mike Spoford, uh for asking this on today's Packers Unscripted podcast. What's the biggest lesson the Packers have to learn from this game and food? What is a dish or meal that you are proud to have learned how to make? Dusty, start with you. I think the lesson is you got to cover crossing routes. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's like a giant lesson to learn. They didn't play particularly well. Uh, defense, particularly, you know, offense had their issues. Defense didn't play particularly well in the second half. They need to play better. Uh, they knew they need to play better. Like, I don't, there's losses that expose fatal flaws. And maybe this was like the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like, hey, maybe Joe Barry isn't very good, which we probably could have known coming into this game based on based on his past history. Um, but we knew that already. So I don't know if there's any major lesson to learn from this. It's just, listen, they got to, you know, don't take anything for granted. And I don't think they did. I don't think they came in this game saying we've got this win in the bag, uh, but they can't take anything for granted. And again, just, just, Cover crossing routes. I think if they learned how to cover crossing routes, that solves like 70% of their problems on, on the defense. Um, and dish or meal that I'm proud to learn how to make. Man, I I just, I don't know. It's not even that big of a deal. Just street tacos. I've been making different kinds of street tacos. You mix it up a little. I did the, uh, uh, you know, some I did some barbacoa not long ago, which was just, which is tremendous. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I've been mixing it up a little. And that's, it's quick, it's easy, it's delicious. And I'm, I'm I'm proud of myself for making those. For me, as far as what's the biggest lesson the Packers have to learn from this game, it really I I think my answer could apply to the whole season. It's just when shit hits the fan, when things start, you know, going a different way, bounce back, respond. Don't let it dictate how the rest of the game goes. And I think that, you know, we saw it this past weekend. Giants came out, had a bit a bit of a better plan in the second half. Packers looked lost. Like they didn't know how to respond to it. That's going to happen. This is the National Football League. Things change. You know, coaches make adjustments. There's a big turnover. Something happens. Can't let that define the tone for the rest of the game. So that would be the lesson that I take is just, you know, you get punched in the mouth, turn around, keep going. Pretty much it. And then what's a dish or meal I'm proud of? And it's kind of simple too, but I've recently, um, perfected my spaghetti squash recipe and like making spaghetti with spaghetti squash and like having a sauce that has um, like a meat sauce with different veggies in it. And first few times I'll say it was okay. You know, it didn't taste great. I was experimenting with it, but now I'm addicted to it and it's so good. And it's also healthier for me than having just, you know, noodles and pasta from like the store. Um, And it tastes great. So that would be mine that I've proud of especially recently uh i would like the packers to learn uh that a game lasts for 60 minutes and that they need to play all 60 minutes that would be what i would hope they would learn from this and then a dish that i would be proud to have learned um i was a big fan when i kind of got my whole recipe down for smoked uh baby back ribs those are when you get those down and those are like fall off the bone 
yeah, man, those, those hit, those hit really well. So, all right, last question, Brian Hartstad. Uh, we've been running a little bit long here, guys, so I think we're just going to skip down to the good part of the question. He had one food question. He wants to know our top three Halloween candies. So, Dusty, we'll get you first. I go, I think it's going to be an all of our list. I'm going Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, specifically the little uh, the seasonal ones, the little jack-o'-lanterns, little pumpkins. Go with those, number one with a bullet. I'm also going to go, I'm going to go the mini Butterfingers. They never miss. You can crunch them up on your ice cream or whatever if you want, but they're just delicious on their own. And also the mini Heath bars. That I I've always loved Heath. The big bars are sometimes a bit too much. I feel like I don't know. It's just a, a bit too rich. Those mini ones, just the perfect amount. So those are going to be my top three. For me, yes, Reese's would be on there. Um, crunch Sorry, bar. What did, what did you just call it? A Reese's. Re- a Reese's. Whatever. <laughs> no, you're wrong. What's happening? Oh, what is no. happening right now? Reese. Oh, no, okay. Never mind. I, I'm, I'm too hard. You caught him on a bad night, Sarah. You yeah. caught yeah. him on a bad night. At least I didn't say Almond Joy or some garbage candy. Like, I literally said a candy that was good, and you're like, You don't know how to pronounce the word Reese's? Reese's Pieces. There you go. Okay, Sorry. thank you. Are it's you like on midnight where I'm at. Give me a break. I'm tired. My God. Anyways, that would be number one. <laughs> Reese's Pieces, number two. Needlessly aggressive. Yeah, my God. Number two would be Crunch Bar. I love Crunch Bars. Crunch Bar desserts are always good, too. Like, I know they sell the ice cream frozen ice cream cones that um have like the crunch bar um fro- like not frosting chocolate there we go um on the sides and then third one it's kind of a wild card but i'm a big sour i like sour candy um and so i'm gonna go with the sweet tarts i'm a big sweet tarts person i always have like the old carton that they still sell at like the dollar store i'll go there and i'll get like five of them and then i'll put one at my desk that's at my apartment, one at my desk at work. And that that's kind of my stress snack. I always eat that. It's super good. I just dump a few out, love it. And as a kid, they um, they would come in like small rolls for Halloween because they obviously wouldn't give you a whole carton. And they were always fire. I loved sprinkling those in with all the chocolate candy. All right. Well, you recovered very well on your list. So good job, Sarah. I didn't even say a candy that you didn't like. I just didn't say it the right way. God. So God. Whatever. Get him, Sarah. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you admitting that you were wrong. So that, that makes me feel better. I didn't uh, have a choice tonight. You were just going to keep yelling and I want to go to bed at this point. <laughs> it's a very valid point. <laughs> just knuckle under for this, for this episode. That's a good, a good choice. <laughs> um, I think number one, I'll go Reese's, Reese's peanut butter cups, obviously, okay. and then Reese's. <laughs> Reese's. What did, uh, do you tell me? Do you say Reese's? Me had Reese's. I don't know. It just like rolled off the tongue, and I didn't think twice about it. <laughs> do you do you eat pieces of pizza pizza as well? Is that what? Oh, just yeah. go, okay. just go. okay, okay. Uh okay, Reese's peanut butter cups number one, and Snickers number two, and then Mr. Good bars, like the little tiny ones that come. Yeah, those are always really really good. So, 
those were like my childhood. I remember getting those all the time and those were my absolute favorite, but guys, we've been going for a really long time and that's probably my fault. So <laughs> hopefully you guys enjoyed my rant and the old man yelling at the clouds, but, uh, let's, let's end this thing. Um, mercifully, Sarah, any closing thoughts for you? Yeah. My closing thought is pretty short. Um, I know, like you said, we've been going for a while. Um, so UCF had, we have, we're having our space game on Thursday night. We always drop space themed uniforms since that's kind of been the foundation of our school and how it was founded and our proximity to the Kennedy space center and the uniforms dropped yesterday when you're hearing this and they are gorgeous. So definitely go check them out, especially if you're a uniform person they're super sexy. Can't wait to see them in person on Thursday. Um, and yeah, best uniforms. Absolutely love them. Steve, go check it out because I know you're a big uniform guy. Absolutely. Dusty, what about you? What you got? Yeah, normal writing stuff. I think I only wrote one for Packer Report this week. Uh, defensive side did not have the energy to write anything on the defensive side. So over in Packer Report now, as of yesterday, there's a piece on uh, two tight end plays. One that's uh, just a botched play down the field, but Deguara has a really nice play at the line. And again, I'm I'm Team Deguara all the way, so I had to have something with him. Uh, so I pointed out that play, and then also the Mercedes Lewis touchdown. So that's over on Packer Report, and then on Cheesehead. Uh, coming out today, I've got kind of an overlook at the at the offense, uh, kind of how Rodgers did by passing zone, which, I mean, really pretty well outside of the deep ball, 0 for 5 on, on plays over 20, but did really well at the balls between basically 5 and 20 yards. I think he was like 72%. So kind of give an over, overarching look there, kind of as an intended air yard, some of those stats like that, and then dig into – uh, three plays, one of which the first one's kind of incomplete. And then I take a look at a couple other plays in there as well. So uh, that was fun. Kind of some fun stuff to dig into. I got some videos floating around, kind of looking at that. I, I dug into the three and out earlier and a couple other ones. Probably think I'm looking at eight man box here pretty soon. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Got stuff floating around. Um, read it if you want or don't. That's also fine. That's You can live your life. <laughs> Guys, we, uh, we we appreciate you listening as always um, and following us on Twitter. That's at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, at Steve Perretch, at Packaday Podcast. Uh, we will be back next week to talk even more Packers, and hopefully I won't be yelling and screaming like a crazy man as much as I did this week. But it was a fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. And as always, go Pack Go! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.